I'm Arya Schwartz along with Rachel Galligan and welcome to the Windsider show where it's all about the W. The Chicago Sky have defeated the Phoenix Mercury winning the WNBA Finals 3-1 in front of a hometown crowd for the first time in Sky history. We are excited to discuss it all with Sky head coach and GM James Wade. our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com and remember downloading the episode makes our stats look better and allows us to continue doing this important work do you want to sponsor an episode of windsider show email us info at windsider.com it is an honor to welcome the defending head coach. I don't know if defending is too early or not, but congratulations to head coach slash GM, James Wade. Coach, I, I have have you come down off of like cloud nine or where are you right now? And have you had any time to reflect on the amazingness that's transpired over the last two, three days? Well, I'm, I'm currently still in Chicago, you know, um, doing <clears throat> doing exit meetings and, you know, and just just doing a lot of stuff around, you know, just Chicago sky stuff and um, just closing out the season, I guess the stuff that you, you do to finish off the season. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess you could say I'm on cloud nine hasn't really hit me yet. Um, the way that I think it still, still in kind of off and I'm not as much in, in awe of the championship uh, as I am in awe of the turnout yesterday for the rallying parade. It was amazing. It was an experience that I've never experienced before. And uh, to see all the support uh, from the city and how many people showed up, you know, in the middle of a work week, um, it was it was just absolutely um, off the charts. One of the cool things that I saw was supposedly there was like an elementary school that was along the parade path. And I think a teacher or somebody from the school or somebody who was there, because I wasn't there, unfortunately, <laughs> said that the whole school came out and it was just an amazing moment for these kids to sit there and be able to see that and be part of it. Um, I just thought that was so special. But hearing you talk about how special that was, I have to ask, this isn't your first championship that you've been a part of. How did this experience, obviously, you're the head coach, right? So it probably hits home a little bit better. Um <laughs> But like, I, I just have to ask, because I, I feel like I would be an idiot not to ask, how do American championship celebrations compare to when you're in Russia and you guys win? Uh, it's a little different, I guess. Um, you know, we customarily do the parade and uh, here in the States. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's more, you know, a more organized, I guess, rally parade or whatever you want to call it uh to kind of cl close off the season i think there you really really go hard after you win a championship and and then you know the rest of it is i guess when you um you 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 get to the airport you have the fans there and everybody has flowers for you and it's a big you know like a big deal but it's when you arrive at the airport you know 
And then you have something a little more intimate with the team, uh, like a big party, um, either at the end of the year or at the beginning of the next year. So that's normally how we do it. Because normally at the end of the overseas year, everybody's rushing out to get to the WNBA. So you don't really have enough time. But uh, the next year is where they do it. And the new players, they kind of profit from 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 being <laughs> from being and you know in 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 and I guess in the presence of the the winners of the the year president so well that's an interesting aspect because you know obviously WNBA players they got to get overseas because that season's already started or is about to start um so obviously sometimes people talk negatively about having these parades or celebrations so soon after but I gotta think like that's a positive you know, you're still riding the high of that victory. You guys are just still in that mode. I mean, how special was it to have your, to, you know, I, I've seen before, right? When the Mystics won, uh, what, two, three seasons ago, they had to delay their parade until the next season started, kind of like what you were saying. How special was it that you guys were able to do that and still be together and really live in that moment together? Uh, for for me, I, I thought it was uh, amazing because, um, you know, this is first time for a franchise. And so it was, everybody was so excited and so stoked and just, you know, we were so focused during this run. I, I promise I've never seen a team like an, a collective unit as focused as we were and, and so locked in like throughout the entire process to, so to, to, so to see everyone kind of relax and let their hair down and kind of like just, all let go and just it, it was it was nice and I knew that everyone wanted to be a part of it because you know to be locked in for so long and not let their guards down for so long for you know for practically a month uh, was amazing. So let's real quick recap for anyone who's lived under a rock for the past what <laughs> like 20 10 days 15 days whatever underrated by the way is game one was a blowout also not enough talk everyone talks about game three right you win by 36 game one you win 91 77 you go to game two you lose 91 86 in overtime that was a crazy intense game game three was just like I, we'll, we'll get to it <laughs> 50 to 86 complete blowout and then you seal the victory and take home the hardware with an 80 to 74 win in regulation and, you know, our show is all about giving y'all the respect that you deserve and talking about the basketball. Now, this is a championship celebration victory lap episode. So obviously we're going to have a little more fun with it. But I have to ask because I kept seeing this on social media and from people who are much wiser when it comes to basketball than I. Um, and they kept talking about how impressed they were with what you did as a coach with adjustments and game planning throughout the whole playoffs and specifically in this series. And I was just wondering, we're not going to go like, oh, in game one with four minutes left, you called this play out of a timeout because that's that's a little bit too much. <laughs> but what I do want to ask is kind of, you know, how you adjusted in between games and, and how you prepared um, before game one, because I – it's it's a very interesting chess match, and I'm just I, I we've spoken about this before. I'm so intrigued by it because you know if you win by a couple, you know do you adjust your game plan a lot? When you win by a ton, do you go well that obviously works? Let's do that again. And and I'm just so curious, like going into the series, what did you think the keys were, and like 
what were some adjustments that you're willing to share? I know you don't want to give the secret sauce out, but what are some adjustments and, and, and things that kind of you and the coaching staff did throughout the series that you think helped you guys be successful? Well, we really we had a chance to really uh, study their 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 games um, that they played against Las Vegas. Uh, got a chance to really study their games against against us in the in the regular season, and we you know we saw things that hurt us, and we pretty much uh, uh, identified their you know their identity early, I guess, and. Uh, we didn't want them to, you know, beat us with their identity. So uh, I think the the thing is, is that we wanted them to beat us in a way that they weren't used to beating us and uh, try to put them in those kind of uncomfortable situations. Um, and, you know, I thought I thought our coaches put together a great game plan and and and, and taught it well. And um, our players, they, they paid attention to it and was were, were really locked in. I, I, I really thought that. Uh, each game uh, or each series beforehand got us ready uh, for the next series. So it, it it fell in the line that we were able to, you know, play Dallas, then play uh, Minnesota, then play Connecticut, then play Phoenix. And I thought us playing, you know, uh, three dominant centers back to back to back was, uh, was really good for us. I thought us playing against explosive guards the first series and, um, you know, playing against playing against uh, uh, explosive guards throughout kind of helped us as well, uh, and so uh, we were able to identify Phoenix's you know strengths and and understand you know where they like to be on the floor, and so uh, we we just tried to do as best we could of not allowing them to get to those spots on the floor that they like, and uh, not allowing them to play uh, as much together uh, when they like to. So uh, I thought we did a good job of it. Well, and we talked a ton about just that atmosphere in Chicago. It had to have been a sigh of relief to be able to steal one on the road in Phoenix. So you mm-hmm. split there one and one. Game mm-hmm. two was crazy. I mean, we could talk all day about the <laughs> drama that unfolded <laughs> in game two, what should or shouldn't have. I guess it's all water under yeah. the bridge at this point. Right. So I have right, a feeling right. we'll be talking about this stuff years from now. Years from now. <laughs> Sorry, and I will. But, yeah. Um, you know, you go back to Chicago and yours truly decides to fly in and I'm like, okay, this is going to be a great game. And of course it's a blowout. I mean, an absolute blowout. The, actually the biggest blowout in WNBA finals history takes place on Friday. Right. You guys beat uh, the right. Mercury 86 to 50, which was just insane. Um, and I feel like being in that arena, you could just feel the energy and you could like feel the wind being taken out from underneath Phoenix sails. You just knew there was going to be a response after that game too. What I want to talk about is obviously game four. And what was crazy about that game is in that third quarter, like it was kind of like, you know, you guys kind of had a season where coming out in that third, like you get a little flat in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I remember like the, the arena fed off the energy of this team <clears throat> or actually the mm-hmm. team fed off the energy of the arena and it was almost like there were moments where the, the crowd needed to do more. You guys needed that crowd more. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're gonna be able to do this. I say we, and I, I'm, I, forgive me, everyone. I never pick teams. I don't have favorites, but I allowed myself to be a fan for two days. Okay, and, and that is home for me. So please let me just have that. So I'm like, I don't know if we can do this. And I remember I looked next to. Um, the people I was sitting with, I said, if we, if we can just cut it to single digits by the beginning of the fourth quarter, like we've got a shot. 
And sure enough, it got cut. And then that fourth quarter, it, it was just it was just game over. I mean, there were some missed layups on both sides. I think Stephanie Dolson missed one early. Then she hit two. Candace Parker hits that massive three. Then Phoenix misses a whole barrage of layups down the stretch. You guys end up just completely dominating that fourth quarter, 26 to 11. When was the moment in your mind that you felt like, okay, we are in striking distance and, and we can make this push? Um, I've been in enough games uh, with our team where uh, we've, you know, been down by a lot and was able to erase the lead like really quick. Historically, our, you know, in the three years that I've been with this team, if the team has a lead, then we've been able to like really um, like explode like 7-0 runs, 11-0 runs. So it, it wasn't anything new. So uh, I knew that me having any doubt uh, wouldn't be great for us. So I just wanted to keep a level head and you could probably hear during the timeouts, Hey, look, I know we're down right now, but we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. Candace was echoing the same thing. We always thought we were in striking distance. Uh, and it was never a point, even if like at the pace we want to play at, um, uh, a nine point game is like a three possession game. Right. Really? You know, right. it just goes, it just goes, whether it's, you know, two threes and a, and a, and one, but it can just go really fast, and um, and really a nine a nine point game is really a two possession game because if you get five points real quick, you're back at a really a back and forth game if you're plus or minus four. So um, we we felt pretty confident the entire time, um, uh, where we felt like we had the momentum is uh, probably the shot before Candace made her three. Yeah, you know, and. Um, and so that's, I think that's where we felt like, okay, we got the momentum. I think we scored four points like really quick. Yep. And then um, they missed and then we came down and hit a three. And um, yeah, I, I, I felt like the momentum was really in our favor. And, um, you know, we, we held strong. But um, during that whole fourth quarter, like every time out or every break and play, um, you can see it that we were really uh, determined. Mm -hmm. um, and it was a collectivity you know, it was a, it was as a collective unit, like every player that you saw, every time they talked, you, you saw the eye contact and you saw them, you know, really, you saw the, you know, feel, touch, handshakes, everything was really locked in. So, no, I, I felt good in the fourth quarter. Well, I think, uh, even at the beginning. I think it was interesting. Like I'm looking at her numbers um, and it felt like obviously the play of Copper was phenomenal. Candace did some big things at big time. Vandersloot mm -hmm. was Vandersloot. But Allie had some some games where she didn't need to be that that second or third or even you know maybe even fourth scoring option. I mean, you you look, mm -hmm. you look back at her playoffs and she had some big number games. She had some single digit games. Um, for me, it was that it was that fourth game where it felt like Phoenix was doing a fairly decent job of taking away or maybe you know just not being able to knock down certain shots at certain times, and you you kind of got mm -hmm. the feeling like this is Allie's moment to like make this, to solidify this. Did, right. did you sense that too? Because you know, she finishes with 26, but she was not playing. She, yeah. she just hit the shots that she needed to hit in those exact moments. And the ball was getting to her and she was open and she, I mean, I just kind of felt like this is so poetic right now that here we have Allie Quigley, the hometown, one of the hometown heroes, just having her probably biggest game of the, all the entire playoffs right in this moment. Yeah, she she goes into these zones, and so she definitely was in a zone in the in the second half. Like you can see it, like you know, like 
she went into a zone and it was it kind of epitomizes our our team where we have these players that go into many zones, whether it be Cotton the first half of the third quarter or whether it be Kansas for a 10 minute stretch or Alley for a 20 minute stretch or, you know, slewed in the last two minutes of the game. Like we have players that really kind of take over the game and, and their teammates kind of really support uh, them doing it. And so you see us actually readily looking for them. And um, that's what Allie did did for us in, at the beginning of the second half and throughout the second half. And um, it, it was it was big. It was big for us. So something that you've kind of touched on is I don't know if there's like a, a coach's terminology for it, but and, and we've seen this in so many of the great teams in WNBA history where, yeah, you got a superstar, you got a few role players, you got another superstar, whatever. But it's everybody being aware that like when it's your time to step up or when you have the hot hand, we feed you and it's that unselfish play. And that kind of makes me think back to, you know, the past couple of years with the Chicago Sky under your uh, leadership and how there's been some heartbreak. Like we know that there's been some heartbreak in these playoffs. And I'm so curious, like, how do you feel that all those moments helped you get to this moment and, you know, get to the mountain? I know we, if, if you followed the, the finals, you heard uh, your quote uh, by Ryan Rucco a bunch about we're no longer at the screen door. We're at the real door. We're banging. We're knocking. We're kicking it in. Um, but I'm just so curious. Just reflect a little bit on like this team as a, a, a whole, a family, like I feel like family is the key word we always talk about with the sky and they've been through heartbreak like a family, but it, it seemed like they really came together. And I, I just want you to reflect on that. Sorry for the long question. <laughs> oh, no, it's um, no, that's a good question. I think, you know, when we went through the heartbreak we had in 2019, we all went through it together. And it was uh, it was a somber locker room where we had to really kind of pick each other up and uh, be there for one and be, be there for one another. And it's something that we hold, you know, tight in our memory banks. And so it makes you, you see the disappointment in everybody's eyes. And so you want to play for each other. So uh, we knew once we got in that situation again, uh, that we had to really, you know, once we got the opportunity, we really, everybody had to do their part. And so when it comes to the end of the games and, and those, those crunch situations, everybody wants to make, they do make sure they do everything like fundamentally correct. So, uh, we're not the ones that's, you know, holding the bag at the end. Uh, you know, we, we, we want to be the ones that finish it off and, and, and able to, you know, just go to the next phase or go to the next round or, or hold a trophy up and not because, um, we did something that, uh, put us in a bad situation. So, uh, I think everybody was aware and everybody was accountable to each other. And uh, we just want to do the best we can for each other. You know, I, I, I reflect back at this entire season and <laughs> I don't even know what you call it for a while. We called it a roller coaster. I mean, you know, it was like start out, whatever the, the losing streak was, then you get hot and go on a winning streak. And then it was just kind of this back and forth, win two, lose one win one, lose two, you know, it was just kind of this staggering effect uh, for that, for that second half of the season. If Rachel, they're playing possum. They're yeah. tricking the whole league. I'm calling, I'm calling it. Hey, and it's yeah. funny because I had a few people ask me, how are they doing what they're doing? And I said, anyone who has a clue about this team knows that they've been capable of this from the, from the start. 
they're finally doing what we all, well, a lot of us believe they could have done. And I will include myself in that very proudly. Um, but I think it really comes down to, you know, coaches and teams talk about playing your best basketball at the right moment. And obviously you've got to throw some luck in there when it comes to playoffs or um, end of season play. But it's very clear that you guys were, were playing your best basketball at the, at the right moment. Um, you know, we could look at the Connecticut Sun. Maybe they did they peak at the wrong time. It doesn't really matter. You could talk, you go through the whole gamut of teams. But with you guys, you know, anyone who knows this team knew what they were capable of, knew the level of talent on this team and how well you guys have stuck together historically. Um, is there anything you can say to how you were able to get them to play their best basketball at, play, at playoff time? Um, I think, yeah. Uh... So a lot went into it, uh, and I, I I think you know we we took certain steps as a group, and uh, we were able to um, find solutions to to play consistently, um, and and it and it helped, you know. Um, so we we were we were really focused and really locked in, and and. Uh, everybody was bought into what we have to do. And, and um, you know, I, it goes from the top on down, like our leadership on the court. You saw how Candace, she was locked in, Sloop, Ka, uh, they were all locked in. And, um, you know, everybody followed, like all the players followed. And it was really easy uh, once you have those players uh, doing stuff and, and, and just leading us in all kinds of ways. It's really, it's really easy to like accomplish a lot of things like Candace meant so much to us uh, this year and helping us get to the next level and um, Kaz progression um, and Sloot's experience, um, Quigley's uh, timeliness and, and toughness and able to deal with all everything that she was dealing with from a competitive standpoint, as far as, you know, she, she, um, she, her and her and Dinah Taurasi had a very spirited series, a lot of bumps and bruises and, mm -hmm. A lot of physical play, and she was able to outlast that, and, and you know, have a great series. So it it was um, a little bit of everything. When you come, when you talk about the playoffs, it was more about, you know, we we went into the playoffs. I think two and four, our last six games, and um, you know, it, it was just something we came together at the right time, and and we put some game plans out there that gave us some confidence. And um, once we found those great game plans, then you know, it kind of built our confidence, and we kind of figured out a new identity for ourselves. And uh, we just went, you know, we went on a run that's, that's probably, that probably hasn't been, been uh, did before. Oh yeah. I mean, making history, setting records, that is, and, and, and team, right? Because we are talking about daggers and, and big shots. I mean, we brought this up already. Steph Dolson hit a couple daggers that like post up, turn around, fade back by Sloot in the fourth was just ridiculous and just rude. Um, and then, you know, that three from uh, Candace, but we got to have some fun now. Um, so you win the ring, right? The the buzzer hits zero. Well, you don't get the ring yet. You got to wait a little bit. Mm -hmm. But you give me a memory from that night. Like, obviously, there was a few seconds left and you realize, OK, we won this. But like the buzzer goes, what's like we, we all saw the adorable moment of Candace and her daughter. But like, do you have a moment that just like stands out from that? that night, that moment that just, you know, makes your heart flutter when you think about it? Uh, just seeing my family there who, you know, flew in, you know, from France. I think that was special. 
um, it's a lot of moments. You know, I had my brother there, cousins there. Like, it was a lot of moments to see Sloot and Allie, uh, see the shock on Sloot's face. Uh, because this is the thing. Sloot was so locked in throughout the whole playoffs. And so it wasn't a lot of emotion there. It just wasn't. Um, same thing with Candace. Like, they were – like, I've never seen a team as locked in as they were. And so – it wasn't a, in a lot of moments where the facial expressions changed. It was just really like marching forward, marching forward, marching forward. And so to see the surprise on Sloot's face when the buzzer went off was like, it's something you live for. And the same thing with Candace. Like, I don't know if you guys was, you know, watching oh, this. Part. I don't know if the camera was on. It. It. Yeah. But it's 10, 10 seconds on the clock and Sloot got fouled and we're, we're up four. And Candace is getting emotional and I, I, I could have gotten a technical because I go on the floor and I hug her and it's still 10 seconds on the clock. Mm-hmm. And um, and so like all these things were like going in slow motion. And when we wanted, you know, I, I searched out my I, I mean, I, at first I gave, you know, I talked to Sandy and I, I talked to the other coaches and a couple of their players. And um, but then, I you know, I found my family and, um, you know, showed some love to some players and. Um, you know, it was just great. It was just a whole bunch of great moments to see the fans, how how excited they were, and you know, it was amazing. And and all like a lot of people that don't get the recognition that you know they deserve, like um, Ann Crosby, our our, our uh, do it all director of basketball operations, or just just our practice guys. You know, our practice guys, our trainers, and uh, we have a couple of people that help us. Uh, Sean and Maggie, they do so much work for us, and just to see the happiness on their faces, uh, you know, it, it's it been a lot to me. And I, I didn't actually touch the trophy to like maybe after the celebration at some point in the locker room because I just wanted everybody to like feel it, you know. And um, I just wanted to everybody to have a moment with it. So it was it was it was uh, really amazing. That for me, it was about everybody else. It was less about me and more about how I made everybody else feel. Well. I'm sorry, because we're here to talk about you a little bit more. Um, Actually, really cool and interesting. I didn't realize that Sandy was also part of the coaching staff over uh, at ECAT um, with Olaf while you kind of joined in there. That was something I heard. I think I saw in like the postgame presser with uh, the big three, which I thought, or I guess it was the big four, um, which (laughs) was really cool just to like, you know, it was serendipity or whatever the word is. But you spoke in your uh, postgame presser, and I'm not going to try and get you emotional or anything about Mm -hmm. Dan Hughes and what he meant to you. And I have to say, like, I knew that you guys had that relationship. Obviously, everyone knows the history of how, like you and the W and working with Dan and all of that. But like when you were talking about it and talking about how he saw something in you, I had this moment of like, there's something about both their personalities when I've talked to them, like just that good person caring that you just want to talk to. And there was just something about you two that I don't know, but whatever. (laughs) I digress. You named Dan, but can you name some other influential people that, you know, maybe you want to thank for getting you to this moment? But also, I have to ask, who is the most random person who you didn't expect to hear from who reached out to say congrats? The most random person. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, you said, I know this wasn't random, but like you said like a high school 
like teammate of yours he hadn't seen in like 20 years showed up was there like someone from your middle school class who was like (laughs) sending you a photo of you guys playing basketball like you know (laughs) no i mean i get i don't know like uh i don't know my uh my college coach i hadn't talked to my college coach in a while he called and uh you know i don't know i I wouldn't say anybody's random i i i could i could i've I've tried to build enough relationships or be as respectful enough where i think i make a last impression where everybody will be somewhat happy for me on it i guess so for it to be random it would be somebody i would have to like not have a great relationship with and i think i think it's nobody i'm at that point with i guess not yet <laughs> i don't know my son my son hasn't reached his teenage years where he don't like me yet so, right. I, so so i i don't think um uh i guess my high school my high school teammate you know i hadn't talked to in 28 years i guess that was like the most i guess most shocking but the most pleasant because he actually came behind the bench in the pre i guess while in the warm-ups and so I actually got a chance to lay eyes on him and actually show him some love, you know, like give him a hug. And that was really, I guess that was nice, you know. Uh, my my cousins, them just decided in the morning to hop on a plane, like, hey, we're coming. That was, that was, uh, and my brother too. And my brother had to get up like early in the morning the next day and work and him coming there. So that was, I had a long embrace with my brother after the game. And that was really, I was really, you know, happy about that so um, that's amazing yeah. that that's so special because you, you can't beat family in those moments right i i have to ask the question that everybody has been clamoring about and don't worry it's not what you think it is i just need to know if you know whose idea was it to bring the door to the parade because that was the most amazing thing i have seen and I, and rumor has it no one acknowledged the door like, no, I didn't even, honestly, like, I know I get a, I'm going to probably get blamed. Like, that was my response. I had no idea it was even there. <laughs> was the I didn't know. I had no <laughs> idea. And I don't know if the players knew, uh, but I thought it was, I mean, I, I don't know. But like, whoever whoever uh, runs the social media was like a special I, guest at the parade and it had the door. Yeah. It was hilarious. And I think they were probably responsible for that, but I had no idea, like, who, who did that. It was... I thought it was pretty lighthearted, fun. You know, I know that probably the Phoenix Mercury don't care, but I thought that the Phoenix uh, Mercury fans were really probably pissed or whatever, but who cares? But that's all That's all who the cares? fun. And honestly, yeah, I just want to say something about this series. I don't remember who brought this up. I think it was like Jim Suhan or like whoever does the podcast with Cheryl Reeve was talking about the importance of series in the playoffs Mm -hmm. and how they can impact a rivalry or just get fans like so invested and make fans, you know, dislike other teams. And I just think this series was such a great, I mean, all the ones that we had in the playoffs were an example of it, but this was such a great example of it. Like, obviously I don't think there's hard feelings or whatever, but for the fans, it creates that animosity. And, you know, I know there's some, there's been some words shared between some, you know, Sky Show Shy and Diana Taurasi's bun. They've been going at it or whatever. But uh, I, I just think it was amazing, hilarious. And yeah. you know, Rachel has a serious question. <laughs> no, no, you, you had mentioned the parade, and I, I I had to go home. It was enough for me. To... Oh, you missed it. Oh, you missed I, I it. Did not make like the, the, I did not make the parade, but I did watch it on, on uh, I think, the 
city of Chicago had it had a stream, mm-hmm. which was actually one of the mm-hmm. coolest. But 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 walk us through that day. Those of us who could not be there, I mean, the crowd looked phenomenal. There's a lot of shots of, of a lot of people lining the streets. Um, it actually yeah. looked really impressive. I mean, just just walk us through what what Tuesday was like. So we we got there um, around ten, and they had some food for us when we got in, and. They had the, like, I guess the, the big scoreboard, uh, jumbotron, they had it down on the floor with everything in the gym, the floor already up. And, uh, you know, so people were there like gathering around families. So you got to mingle a little bit with the families and it was cool. So it was like, okay, I wonder what this day is going to be like. And, and so it was nice. And so they start calling people to get on the buses and stuff like that. And, uh, it was people out, like out. And it was some preschoolers and, you know, like it's it it just nice, quaint, like, you know, maybe uh, 75 people. And we we're like, oh, so, it, you know, it's going to be OK. And they put us on a bus and then we rode around the corner and you start seeing so many people lined up. And you're like, OK, wow, this is crazy. This is amazing. But when we turned on Michigan Avenue, South Michigan Avenue, and it turns into Michigan Avenue, that's when you start seeing everybody. And you are like amazed because Michigan Avenue is the main street. And um, it was people on both sides and they were cheering and, and just going crazy. And, and I was like, wow, this is absolutely amazing. And so we get, you know, we go up the ways a little bit. We pass by the art Institute. It was my first time seeing the lions with the uh, Chicago sky uniforms on. That was so cool. And um, it, it, so you saw all the people, it was, oh my gosh. And, and so we we went through the two fire trucks with the ladders, you know, uh, formed up in in the air and went under there and 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 went inside and went underneath in the tunnel of the pavilion. And once we went outside, and we saw like all those thousands of people all the way to the tip of the pavilion, it was like I I couldn't believe it. Like I absolutely couldn't believe it to see the love and support and. Um, I felt like, you know, I was watching a movie. It it really and the cool thing for for those folks who weren't there was they had like live commentary for the whole thing, which I thought was amazing that mm-hmm. I don't know who put that on, but the commitment that the city showed, I mean, I'm stuck in DC, but I could feel it over here. <laughs> so, I, we've kept you long enough. I just have to ask one more question like what's next for this team? You know, you're the GM part of you is probably, you know, a million light years ahead, already thinking into training camp and whatnot. But just just give us a little preview. What's next? I heard. I don't know if it was you or Candice uh, completely guaranteed. No questions. A repeat. No, I'm joking. But <laughs> talk, talk to me. What's next to this team? Now we just have to, you know, build on what we have. Like we have to build on what we have. I think we have a strong core and who we have and um, we have to build on it. Uh, we can't be satisfied where we are, but we know that we have a, a good quality team with great quality players. And, um, you know, we just have to add on to that. Um, I think, you know, we're, we're going to be competitive and we definitely want to be back here next year and and throwing parades again. Like, I think we've arrived as an organization. And um, so now, you know, we've attracted our, our big free agent. And, and, you know, now I think, you know, we've shown, like, if players want to win, they can come here and do so. And I think that that was probably a concern before, uh, but it can't be a concern now. And um, one thing when you when you talk about like, you know, our 
our, our team when, when, you know, the echoing sentiment of all the exit interviews was, you know, we felt like a family, you know, and that was through wins and losses. And I think you see it. Like when you look at our team, you can say, oh, that team is, you know, they, they seem like a family, even players that some, you know, players have wanted to leave or players have, you know, wanted to leave. And we understood that. We understood that. But at the end of the day, the core of who we are is, um, has always been a family. And that's, that's the, that's the only way I, I probably know how to coach in that type of environment where, uh, those things matter. Uh, so, yeah. No, I mean, I think that's perfect. I mean, it, it uh, probably out of up there at the top of any team in the league, watching them this season, watch, you know, the, the, the ups and the downs that you guys had this season from an outsider's perspective. That was the one thing I think we all can agree on. And it was evident on the court and it was evident in the way you played. Um, and, and coach, just again, a huge congratulations to you um, from someone who grew up two hours south of the city <clears throat> and, so has, cool. and has watched the Chicago sky since they began. This is a, a really cool day for, for any, 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 any hoop fan from Chicago, any hoop fan from the state <laughs> of Illinois. Um, and it, for me, it, for it being the first one, I mean, I, ha- I still have chills on my, on, on my arms right now, just talking about it. Um, so, so cool. Congratulations to you. And, and again, thank you so much for bringing the championship back to the city. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. That, that feel good is it, that makes me feel good. So I'm good. Coach, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you. And uh, actually, real quick, I hate to put you on the hot seat. I didn't even think about this, and feel free to say no. Are you going overseas this offseason, like, to coach? Uh, no, no. Okay. No, my son is – that's not going to happen. Like, I, I have to – I have to – with all this been this summer and last few seasons, I really have to be a dad uh, right now. So, no, nah, I'm not – I love that. Well, get him to leave soccer and become a basketball star. So <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do. And I think that's a full time job. And shoot, man, this 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 will probably be my toughest coaching job yet. Trying to get him there. I love it. Thank you so much, coach. Have a great night. All right. Thanks, guys.